0: Welcome to St. Mungo's Podcast for the Magically Deprived, where you can get your weekly Potter fix. We will be discussing the Harry Potter series chapter by chapter. If you've read the books previously or are just starting the series for the first time, we hope you enjoy this journey through Harry's adventures at Hogwarts and beyond. Please be aware that this is not a spoiler free podcast. We may at times reference future events, people, or places. Also, there will be adult language and content. So, if you have little ones listening, you may want to send them out of the room or listen at another time. Hello, everyone. I'm Joe. I'm Megan. And I'm Serena. This week, we'll be discussing Chapter 9 of The Prisoner of Azkaban Grim Defeat. But before we get into the chapter, let's head over to Serena in the
1: Slytherin Common Room for some quibbler controversy. I have two things for us today. I have a theory and then also an open discussion question. So I know we kind of discussed this a little bit in the past, but I saw an actual theory that the speed of snitches are made to fit the level of play for each type of Quidditch game. So they don't go
2: as fast every game?
1: Each game or each setting, because there's professional Quidditch, there's school Quidditch, there's like you could have your own personal Mm. snitch to play at home, right? so, just, so like, uh, has
0: a setting on it like high medium low like a dial <laughs> that's hilarious it's so this is just a
1: theory yeah it was just a theory that i was reading but because they were saying obviously to end the game you have to catch the snitch so it still needs to be catchable but the more skilled you are the faster oh, you're right. going to catch it so say for like tournaments they make it a bit faster that fits the skill of the players
0: ah. yeah i, I like, like the that. idea even though i don't think that's how it works you know how the Weasleys say that they grew up playing Quidditch in the mm-hmm. field, like when they were young, but I guess they don't actually use a real snitch though. When They, they probably play. got like a cheap bootleg snitch.
2: You, you're imagining that? I'm like imagining them just enchanting a rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: well, honestly, I think that's more of how they practice because that's what I'm thinking about now. They didn't actually use a snitch when they played in the field. They'd have to use something else. Even when Oliver was first teaching Harry, they didn't even use a snitch. They used a golf ball. I honestly don't think they have different speeds, Mm
1: -hmm. but I, I like the idea of
0: that. That would have never been something to occur to me.
1: It also mentioned like we hear about snitch makers, but we don't hear about makers of any of the other like balls of Quidditch. So why would they need someone to specifically make them a certain way?
2: Well, because, aren't they, um, the snitch was based on an actual bird, right? Yes. -hmm. So, the rest are just regular balls. They wouldn't really need anyone to craft those, but, like, a snitch is more intricate. And more goes goes into it, I would think. Like, there's more mechanical things. That Mm -hmm. thinks about it from a muggle perspective. (laughs) (laughs) They probably just use magic.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if there would be anything in Quidditch through the ages about it. I mean, it's just a theory, so possibly not. But
0: Well, there is this chapter of the arrival of the snitch. Let me skim quickly and see if it says anything. Yeah, it's just about how it was a bird and then they wanted to replace the endangered bird with a snitch. So nothing about the speed. I really like that idea. Like it has a little switch Mm -hmm. on it.
1: Yeah, I think it's a possibility.
0: Because otherwise,
1: like, it would have a time limit, I feel like
0: a time limit to catch the snitch the time limit on the game
2: well no i don't think there's a time limit on the game because there's not but
1: well, you have to catch the snitch but what if the snitch is really fast and you can't catch it which has I... happened but
2: yes they haven't they lost snitches before yeah.
0: i wonder if because every game has a different snitch if they have like different characteristics like a real bird would like some are faster than others just by default not because they've enchanted them to be that way maybe
1: like luck of the draw
0: it's just like, well, you get what you get. If it's faster,
1: slower. Just have their own characteristics. Yeah, they like mimic the real bird. I like that. Okay, so um, discussion question. Oliver Wood puts a lot of pressure on his team to win the Quidditch Cup because it's his last year. Do you think it's fair that he is so hard on them, especially since he's the goalkeeper and not able to score or find the snitch himself?
0: Well, I think that's his job as captain. And regardless of it being his last year, he's like that throughout his entire quidditch career so i don't think it's just because it's his last year but he is just very hopeful this year
2: i think he's a little insufferable to insufferable yeah just a little
0: extra yeah i think he's that way regardless wasn't it last year when he tells harry to catch a snitch or die trying
1: yeah so i was gonna say he puts a lot of pressure on harry yeah,
0: yeah he does he does Poor but harry. i also think like that's his job as the captain I don't know if it's to put pressure on your team, right? Well, I mean, some people perform well under pressure. And I think, honestly, I think the team he has, they handle him very well. Yeah. And I think he knows that, like, they're like a little family and they know each other's personality. So I think he knows that he can do that and they will give him pushback if need be.
1: Now that I think about it, he's been captain for the last three years. Don't
0: they usually Mm -hmm. switch
1: or do they only switch once they graduate?
0: That's a good question because the rest of the team has to keep trying out every year. But the whole team's been the same. Harry yeah. didn't have to try out again. When Harry becomes captain, he has to try everybody out again. Or maybe they just skim
1: over that part. I feel like maybe once the captain changes, he has the option to like audition everyone and and change, change his, his team, team up. No, they have to, I think
0: they have to hold tryouts every year. Oh, yeah because he does do it again yes but yeah. wouldn't that
2: just be for like new thing no. like fred and george have to try out every year
0: yes i think they have to do it every dumb year which shit. is
2: i guess it's not dumb as shit because if you accidentally try like bring someone on your team and they end up sucking and they try out again next year you can be like oh unfortunately you didn't make the cut this year there
0: could be people who are better coming in right yeah, and you want true. the best team possible but I do think it's weird that the captain doesn't have to try out again. Just the
2: team. Unless he did and just consistently they were like, yeah, we like him as captain. Who
1: appoints the captain? I forget. Did we How did Harry get appointed captain?
0: I think head of house decides who captain is cuz Harry gets that with his letter. McGonagall decides who Quidditch captain is. Okay. For Gryffindor obviously i'm not 100 percent sure but i think head of house decides because harry doesn't know he's quidditch captain until that summer when he gets his um hogwarts letter like with the school list and everything he mm-hmm. was surprised because the badge was in his letter mm-hmm. so i'm pretty sure head of house picks captain and then captain has to hold tryouts to decide who gets on the team
1: i'm overthinking it now i'm very confused Cause in the fifth year alicia's captain right and then Harry is captain in sixth year. Changed year to year, But Oliver's been captain for.
0: Does she graduate? So then they have to pick a new captain? Oh, maybe. She takes over for Oliver, then she graduates and Harry takes over for her. Yeah. Is it Alicia or Angelina? Angelina.
2: I was going to say, there's an Alicia? <laughs> there's an there Alicia. is. There's Alicia yeah? Spinett.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, on the team, but yeah, Angelina.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think Angelina graduates and then Harry takes over.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: If I was Fred and George, I would be pissed. They've been on the team since like the beginning. And then Harry just comes in and is like, yeah, I'm captain now. Sorry.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Even them. Yeah. They've been on the team probably years, but I feel like they were on the team before that. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. were. Yeah, they were already. And they would have been in what? Third year. So since their second year, they were on the team the whole time at Hogwarts. Anyways, back to you, Joe, in the Gryffindor common room for our chapter. So as the staff members search the castle for Sirius
0: Black. Did you say church members? Staff members. <laughs>
2: I don't know why uh-huh. church members.
0: The students are shepherded to the great hall for the night. Dumbledore magics them all sleeping bags and the head boy and girl are left in charge, which pleases Percy immensely. Ron reckons that Sirius Black must have lost track of time and went to the Gryffindor Tower, not realizing that it was Halloween and they would all be in the Great Hall for the feast. When in reality, I'm pretty sure Sirius Black probably planned that on purpose. Because he, he, he fa-
1: mentions that he did it on purpose.
0: So everyone is buzzing about how Sirius got into the castle to begin with, and every theory is as unlikely as the next. A teacher would appear in the hall every hour to check in, and then at three thirty in the morning, Dumbledore himself showed up to talk to Percy.
1: Just sorry, just uh, speaking on the theories. Mm -hmm. When who is it? Hannah that says he could turn himself into a flowering shrub. But how would a flowering shrub get into walk into the (laughs) castle? That's what I wanted to know. Also, when Dumbledore says. That he's gonna go to the Dementors because he said he would let them know when their search is complete. And I was just like, how do you communicate with Dementors? Because I don't think they have ears or eyes.
0: No, they're well, they're blind. We know that. I don't know if they can hear. No, Maybe he just know. like emits a certain <laughs> feeling. I there must be a communication method. He
2: sends signals. He just his like he,
0: his aura <laughs>
1: pulsates. I don't know yeah because they keep them guarding or maybe he brand. does
0: was it in the helen keller movie where they would put her hand on their mouth when they talked so she could feel the vibration i well that's I
1: definitely know. not happening
0: maybe. <laughs> so dumbledore like puts the dementor's fingers on no, no he doesn't and, or he brings out like a braille tablet I don't know how you would communicate with a Dementor. I'll have to look that up at some point because
2: now you've piqued my curiosity. Oh, here we go. How do wizards communicate with Dementors? Telepathy is apparently theory here. Ooh. Ultimately is a highly guarded secret, but many believe that they communicate through a form of legitimacy.
0: Legilimency. Interesting.
2: That would make sense. This one is, dementors can understand human language and follow some commands. They'll do so as long as they feel that course of action will allow them to eat more happy memories.
0: Do you know that's interesting about the legitimacy? Because if that's true, then they actually know when people are innocent and don't give two shits whether they are or not.
1: Yeah. I don't think they care if
2: someone's innocent or not.
0: They obviously don't, especially. No, I think, if- and
2: I think we talked about that before too. About they just care if they're feeding on happy memories, they don't give a fuck. If dementors were
0: used properly, they would actually be excellent guards because they can tell. So that way, if they weren't so evil, like they would say, you know what? Well, obviously, they couldn't talk. They would have to tell somebody or motion that this person, no, no, they're indeed innocent. Let them go. And they would have no need for court trials.
2: Probably benefits them that they're innocent, though, because they have happier memories than people who are evil and should actually be there
0: yeah and they're having more trauma because they know they're innocent and they're stuck in jail if they were used properly yeah. quotes then they would be an asset because they could yeah. tell them no they're innocent this one's guilty and
1: yeah. they would just clear up their court system they definitely do have a method of legitimacy because that's how they would see their memories right yeah, yeah.
2: all right thanks reddit
0: <laughs> Okay so there is no sign of Sirius Black in the castle but Dumbledore leaves the students to sleep in the hall for the night. He has found a temporary guardian for the Gryffindor common room until the fat lady calms down and Mr. Filch can restore her portrait. Snape comes in and touches base with Dumbledore. He expresses his concern that someone has helped Sirius Black get into the castle but Dumbledore doesn't believe a single person inside Hogwarts would have helped him And he abruptly ends the discussion. And I really admire the steadfast faith that Dumbledore has. He knows nobody in that castle would have helped Sirius. And he's not even suspicious of the Slytherins. You know what I mean? He's like, no, I know nobody in this castle helped him in. Percy asks why the Dementors didn't want to help with the search. And Dumbledore says that no Dementor will cross the threshold of Hogwarts while he is headmaster. The next few days, the school talked of nothing but Sirius Black and people were coming up with wilder and wilder theories as to how he got into the school. The fat lady was replaced by Sir Cadogan and his little pony. Harry is now being shadowed by teachers as well as Percy, who Harry was sure was put up to it by Mrs. Weasley. Professor McGonagall calls Harry into her office, and as she starts to speak, Harry cuts her off and says that he knows that Sirius Black is after him. McGonagall's a little bit shocked that Harry's aware of that little tidbit of information, but recovers herself, and she tells Harry that under the circumstances, it's not a good idea for him to practice Quidditch in the evenings. Harry protests and after some contemplation, she realizes how much she would really like the Quidditch Cup and agrees that Harry can train. Madame Hooch oversees the sessions. The Gryffindors find out that they'll be facing Hufflepuff instead of Slytherin in the first match because Malfoy, who is the Slytherin Seeker, is still whining about his injured arm, but Oliver suspects that it's because he didn't want to play in the horrible weather that has settled in. The day before the match, Oliver kept coming up to Harry between classes to give him little tips. And the third time this happened, Harry got to Defense Against the Dark Arts class 10 minutes late. When he enters the classroom, Snape was behind the teacher's desk in Lupin's place. Snape takes 10 points away from Gryffindor for Harry's tardiness. Harry asks him where Professor Lupin is, and Snape says that Lupin is too ill to teach today. Harry continues to ask about Lupin's welfare, so Snape takes another five points from Gryffindor and tells Harry that if he has to ask him to sit down again, he will take away 50 points. Snape goes on to belittle Lupin's teaching and the class defense Lupin, which makes Snape even more agitated. He tells them to flip to page three hundred and ninety at the back of the textbook and informs them that they are going to be learning about werewolves even though they're not due to learn about werewolves until much later in the year. So Snape starts to question the class on how to tell the difference between a true wolf and a werewolf and Hermione's the only one who puts up her hand but Snape ignores her and he keeps asking questions and getting angry when students answer him. So in hindsight, we know that Snape has his own agenda here and is just trying to drop hints so the class can figure things out on their own. But obviously, the class thinks he's being a jerk, which he is.
2: Yeah, but like, why do they need to know that their teacher's a werewolf? That's not for you to tell them. He made (laughs) me so mad this chapter. Oh my god.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he's using his like schoolboy grudge on the kids. And it's like, they don't need to be involved in your, your business.
2: You're petty little shit. Go to therapy,
0: please. They don't, which they really could make use of in this school, yeah. honestly. Even like after the dementia attack. I'm sure some <laughs> yeah.
1: students needed an outlet, right? Like that would be some great scenes, just like going to see the school, like the school counselor.
0: You just they just <laughs> keep cutting to scenes it's of awesome. Snape going, Oh, Dumbledore's so frustrating. <laughs> So Hermione answers Snape's questions on how to distinguish a werewolf from a true wolf. And Snape gets angry and takes five more points from Gryffindor, then calls her an insufferable know-it-all. The entire class is livid with Snape, but Ron is the one who sticks up for Hermione and ends up getting himself a detention, which is to scrub out bedpans in the hospital wing without magic. Ron wishes that Sirius Black would have hidden in Snape's office and finished him off for them. The morning of the Quidditch match, Harry gets up at 4.30 in the morning, two peeves blowing in his ear. He gets himself ready, grabs his broom, and heads out of the dormitory. I was under the impression that their brooms were kept in the broom shed. That's just a school broom. So the students get to keep their brooms in the
2: dormitories with them? Was there not, in the first or second book, a scene where Harry's putting his Nimbus 2000 or his Nimbus 2000 gets put in the In the broom, broom shed. shed.
0: maybe because he was a first year and they're not allowed their own broomsticks in first year yeah i think that's what it is so that he had to keep it in the broom shed but now he's third year so he can keep his own maybe okay i accept that
2: our logical brains yes
0: so as harry leaves the dormitory he stops crookshanks from going inside and figures that ron just might be right about suspecting crookshanks The storm outside is getting louder, but Harry knows that the match is not going to be called off. So he sits in front of the fire until dawn and then heads down to breakfast. Oliver is so emotional that he can't even get words to come out of his mouth for his pregame pep talk. They head out onto the pitch and the wind is so strong that they stagger sideways. How are they supposed to stay on their brooms if they can't even walk straight in the wind?
2: I saw... I think it was on Instagram yesterday, I forgot to send it to you guys. Someone asked two lawyers who is responsible if someone dies in the Triwizard Tournament. And they were talking about like gross negligence and how like the school would be at fault for gross negligence. The other lawyer is saying that by putting their name in the Goblet of Fire they're assuming the risk. And they're like, but they're minors, and it was like lawyers, legit lawyers, talking about who would be at fault if someone dies in the Triwizard Tournament.
1: I think they have like a series where they ask questions like that about Harry Potter and they debate them.
2: Really, oh, that's fantastic.
0: When Harry gets to the goblet of fire, Dumbledore actually does an age restriction, so they have to be yeah, over the, seventeen. And that's what they were saying. Except for obviously Harry, he's always yeah. the exception to the rule. But yeah, that they all would be adults, so I guess they would have to assume responsibility. Yeah, risk,
2: yeah. And they're like but they're 17 like they're still children and like you're going to school it was yeah it was interesting it was interesting
0: i like that where did you say you saw
1: that
2: i think i saw it on instagram but you could probably search it on google and something would come up i Mm might have liked it maybe i'll go back through my likes and see if i can find it
1: they have a
0: tiktok page because i saw it on tiktok we might be able to get some ideas for discussion points yeah The game begins and the weather is so horrible. Harry has no idea what's happening in the rest of the game. He couldn't see or hear anything and he was drenched to the bone. And I got to say, these Quidditch fans are very dedicated because I would be caught dead (laughs) sitting out in this weather. I mean, if they're all on brooms, they're right in the game and they can't tell what's going
2: on. How do the people in the stands know what's going on? So I've got a few questions about this myself. Could they not just have impervious themselves? So that's one question. Yes. As the other one, could they not have put an enchantment or a charm or something over a mass expanse of the Quidditch Stadium so that it wasn't a hurricane inside?
0: Or you'd think that they would have built the stands oh i guess they can't put a cover on it because the game is in the air so they have to see what's happening above them
2: but But, i'm saying like a clear dome that goes like way high and way out so they'd still be able to play comfortably and like within the parameters yeah it had to have been something they could have done
0: i think they could have too but i also think this is kind of the charm of the game like they're in the elements yeah i think
1: the point but, of is that they play in any conditions yeah and there technically isn't a parameter even though there's a pitch technically they could go outside of the pitch right but True. and that brings up more questions
0: like how far outside of the pitch can they go like these students can't just take off to go chasing the snitch wherever it goes because snitch is free to fly mm-hmm. wherever it wants
2: I can it just goes to europe and you're like oh i guess they're already in europe yeah. <laughs> so that's not that big of a deal it goes to the united states yeah
0: but as a fan and i'm sure there are fans even in real life who would sit in conditions to watch their favorite team play but me personally no thank you no 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 because what point is it you can't see so yeah. you're just out there getting wet and cold and oh. you can't see what's going on anyway
1: imagine playing and you can't even see and there's not even anyone watching you. it's like why the fuck am i here right why now? am
2: i here this is well, why like, the game should be they can't postponed even see that there are people in the crowds they can only see umbrellas yeah
0: like a light rain i could see playing in a light rain but i mean when it's torrential downpours and the wind like you can't even walk because the wind is so strong i think maybe we should postpone the game so batam hooch blows the whistle and the team descends to huddle together under an umbrella why now an umbrella you're already wet what do you need to be <laughs> under the umbrella for wood says a little
2: that- bit of a reprieve.
0: <laughs> wood says that they are 50 points ahead but if they don't catch the snitch soon they'll be playing into the night harry complains that he can't see a thing through his foggy glasses and i thought maybe it's just a movie thing i thought they had quidditch goggles
2: yeah it's just a movie yeah it's yeah. a movie thing
0: so right on cue Hermione appears at Harry's shoulder and impervious his glasses for him so they will repel water and I just thought it was weird that not one other person on the team came up with that oh. like Oliver's actually in his final year so he's like a fully qualified wizard and didn't think to do that for Harry. So although Harry was drenched and numb with cold, he could at the very least now see. And as he flew around looking for the snitch and dodging bludgers, the thunder and lightning were getting more and more intense. With another flash of lightning, Harry saw the outline of an enormous shaggy black dog in the topmost row of the stands. It had vanished as soon as it appeared. Wood yells at Harry and Harry looks to see Cedric Diggory chasing the snitch. Harry takes off in hot pursuit, and as he urged his broom to go faster, something odd started to happen. Everything suddenly went quiet like Harry had gone deaf. A wave of cold swept over him, and when he looked down, he saw a hundred dementors looking back up at him. He hears a woman screaming, not Harry, not Harry, and someone saying to stand aside. As the woman's voice continues to plead, Harry passes out. He wakes up aching and in the hospital wing to voices talking around him. He was surrounded by the rest of the team as well as Ron and Hermione who were all soaking wet. He asks what happened. He had fallen off his broom about 50 feet and everyone thought he had died, but Harry's only concern was if they had won the match and if they're going to do a replay. The room went silent. Cedric had caught the snitch just after Harry had fallen. He didn't realize what had happened. And when he saw Harry on the ground, he tried to call the game off and ask for a rematch. But Hufflepuff had won fair and square.
1: I thought it was funny. Like everyone kept saying they thought he died. Yeah. I was like, imagine if he just died playing Quidditch and just <laughs> spoiled all of Voldemort's plans <laughs> just playing Quidditch at
0: school. Harry notices that Oliver is not with the rest of the team, and Fred says that he's still in the shower, probably trying to drown himself. Harry is distraught about losing his first ever Quidditch match, and nothing the team could say would cheer him up. Ten minutes later, Madame Pomfrey shoos the team away, leaving Harry with Ron and Hermione. Hermione tells Harry how angry Dumbledore was, and how he had run onto the field as Harry fell and waved his wand to slow Harry down before he hit the ground. And then he whirled his wand at the Dementors and shot silver stuff at them, and they left. He then magicked Harry onto a stretcher and up to the hospital wing. This is the second time that the term silver stuff was used. Patronuses have a distinctive form. So I just thought it was weird that she said silver stuff. But then I started wondering that maybe you can't see the form of somebody else's Patronus until you've learned to use it yourself. No. I mean if Dumbledore had shot his patronus, like it's a phoenix, it's clearly a phoenix. And even when Lupin used his on the train, they said the same thing, silver stuff, but they're very distinctive. So that was the only thing I could think of as why they're not seeing the form of the patronuses. Maybe because they haven't learned the charm themselves, that they haven't seen them kind of the same way the the thestrals work. Like if you haven't experienced death, you don't see the thestrals.
1: Um... So kind of
0: that same premise
1: i was wondering why she said that too i don't know if i agree with
0: that though that's the only thing i could think of as to why they're not seeing the patronus in its form they're just seeing like the silver vapor unless you can control the strength of your patronus and like if it's not at full strength it's not a defined patronus but i don't see that being a thing
1: well, this is movie-wise, but when Harry's learning how to do the Patronus, it doesn't take the form of a stag. It's a silver...
0: Yes, it's not at its full strength. So maybe Dumbledore didn't want to use his full-on Patronus, which for the amount of Dementors that were there, I would think he'd have to. So Harry asks Ron and Hermione if anyone got his broom for him, but unfortunately his broom had hit the whopping willow and had broken into several splintery pieces end of chapter all right megan we'll head over to you in the hufflepuff common room for would you rather
2: today's would you rather question is would you rather participate in that particular quidditch match or drink a goblet of an unknown smoking potion made for you by professor snape
0: i'm taking the potion
2: potion that answer sucks are <laughs> you going to play quidditch i think it would be fun <laughs> I love playing soccer in the rain. Yeah, but that's not just
0: rain. It was just like a regular rainy day.
2: I don't know. We played in some pretty hard rain. The only time it got called off was if there was thunder and lightning. Which there
0: clearly is
2: in this game.
0: And they're getting blown sideways as they're walking. How are you supposed to stay on your broom?
1: As we discussed before, I mean, you couldn't even play Quidditch under normal conditions. So...
0: Okay. I would fall off my broom without the wind. Yeah, exactly. So. Okay. Right. What are we doing? I forgot. Oh, the potion. <laughs> the
2: potion.
1: I don't even know what the other. <laughs> I don't even.
2: I, <laughs> yeah, I don't even care. It just was not that. I wasn't playing Quidditch. I'm never. I can't Quidditch. be in the rain and get that cold. But as soon as I get wet, I'm getting a chill, and just even like participating in that with a team. I've been in that experience, and it's just so much fun. It's a great yeah. bonding experience. Yeah. Except not for the almost dying part.
0: For me, honestly, it doesn't matter. But I just want to clarify. We would be in the match or a spectator.
2: I mean, either or. Just you're participating in that specific match. So in my head, that would be like you're playing. You're up think. there somewhere. That's a no for
0: me regardless. No, I'm not playing. Not playing. Yeah, I'm not playing. <laughs> I just wanted to, to kind of just clear that up. So I'm drinking the potion because I feel like even if it's a bad potion, somebody's got to have like a cure, even if it's poison, like Dumbledore's not going to let me
1: yeah. die. You <laughs> think mean, Dumbledore like, cares about like, you? Are you Harry Potter?
0: Yes, he does care about me. I'm a Gryffindor. We know he cares about Gryffindors. He's not going to let me die.
1: Well, I'm a Slytherin, so. Yeah.
0: yeah, she's fine. I would just hope that it's that shrinking solution he gave to Trevor, Trevor. So maybe I would get a few years back.
2: And my question had to do with Trevor. Snape was willing to like fully poison Trevor and kill him. So yes, like, he,
0: was. he literally doesn't give a fuck. He does not. So Megan, homework, please, for next week.
2: Our homework for next week is to read Chapter 10, The Marauder's Map.
0: Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, leaving us a rating and review would be awesome. And maybe mention us to all of your Potter friends. That brings us to the end of this episode. Join us next week as we continue reading through the Harry Potter series. You can send any questions, comments, or concerns to podcast at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and Instagram at Podcast.